Hello, hello, everyone. This is the Cleared Off the Line podcast, our second episode, and I am Terry Craig here with my colleague, Forrest Tucker, and we have some pressing topics for y'all today. And we'll begin with a topic that's very near and dear to Forrest's heart, Manchester United. And obviously, I feel like a lot of you have kept up with it, Manchester United, well, struggling right now. So Forrest, uh, just give us some general thoughts about your boyhood club. Terry, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy right now, but I think that the, geez, it's hard to put into words, really. <laughs> I'm just going to look, I'm just going to go off some stats real quick I've written down. We're in 12th place, and I'm not happy we're in 12th place because that's unacceptable. I don't care who you have on the field, this is Manchester United, and 12th place is a very, very bad look. Uh, two wins. Three draws, three losses. Uh, these draws, these losses just are against teams that we should be beating. Uh, I've I've had this thought going back many years after Fergie retired. And so, in my opinion, it's just been a really big growing process for United. And right now, I think it's time they get it right. And part of getting it right is just sticking with the manager. I've heard reports of Massimiliano Allegri being linked to this job and replacing Oleander Solskjaer, which... In this world today, Terry, there's so much impulsiveness. There's so much impatience. And I just think if you stick with Solskjaer for <laughs> actually my bottom line is just don't fire him. Just, just give the guy yeah, yeah. a real chance, man. You, know, you Do you really want to have another manager? Do you really want to put the news out that you're going to have another manager and he's going to switch his philosophy again? It's with anything, man. You can't have different guys in here. Every two, three years, that different philosophy because then you're never going to get anywhere. You're not going to have any progress. Some guy might not want to play the youth. People don't understand this is Manchester United. You have to have someone manage United who's within the system. So only going to Soul Star is the right fit. That's hands down because Fergie's impact there over many, many years has left United as a club where no one except insiders can manage it. And that's a kind of a good thing, but also can be kind of a bad thing. But I'll rattle off some stats here. Of course, we play Liverpool next, and I think that the poor form as of late has because is is a because of the injury list that is just so extensive right now. We're gonna get some guys back hopefully this weekend. Juan Basaka, Martial. Hopefully those guys will come around. Lindelof's been absent. Uh, it just doesn't really work out right now because we've had injuries. I'm not gonna blame it solely on Max. I said this is Manchester United, and a product has to be put on the the pitch. But this is a young squad, and I mentioned the new manager. The average age of this team is 25.1 years. And yes, they have an underperforming, but they're young. And this is a new group of players that are together. You mentioned Schneider has made signs for the summer of young English talent. How about you give young English talent a chance? Because I know they're good. They have been smart signings. I like the signing of Harry Maguire and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I like those guys a lot. They have a lot of promise. Maguire is slightly older than these other boys, so he should be at a higher expectation. But this is a new club for him. Players need to be given a chance these days, man. We're going to talk about Pulisic later. And <laughs> people need to give him a chance at Chelsea. But what Manchester United still has uh, some turmoil with is impulse buy signings. They're still around. Fred, hmm. come on, man. It's Fred. I had never heard of Fred in my life. The only Fred I heard about before, Fred, Shakhtar Donetsk Fred, which is now our Fred, was Fred, who played for Brazil. Of course, Fred is also Brazilian. But another Fred who played for Brazil, who was a total bust after a couple games in the 
the what the like you know the World Cup for Brazil or something like that a couple years ago. So these signings that are impulse buys are just still around. There are a couple of them, and they've done a good job in getting rid of some of them. Or actually, not some of these impulse buy signings, but some of these signings and players that have been around that have been around for too long, i.e., Chris Smalling, who's now at Roma. Uh, so. I'll go off some other stats here that are just disappointing. Uh, they're 10th in shots on target with 33, 13th in goals with 9, 14th in clean sheets with only 2, 20th in interceptions, 66, and 17th in tackles, 125. So what that tells me is that there's no offensive production, and also the defense in the midfield is getting sliced open by everyone that plays them because you're not intercepting balls in the midfield and the defensive third, and you're not tackling guys. So that's where I'm at right now. The, the, the end of this real rant here, Terry, if you want to call it a rant, uh, is give the guy a chance. The players need to step up a bit. They need to, put a, they need to realize this in Manchester United. It's hard because of injuries. But I think once these injuries subside, if they do, there needs to be some, some accountability. There needs to be some hard looks in the mirror here because, you know, all a – People have smashed him for not looking like he, you know, is even capable. This this guy had a tough run out with Cardiff City last time, but please just give him a chance. This is his club that he played for. He loves the club. It's not like an outsider coming in that thinks that this club is something they can just manage and, you know, have 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 as something that won't be as personal to them as it is to Ole. So give the man a chance. Give the players a chance. They're young. I know that. Jesse Lingard, Harry Maguire, 25 to 27, and that is a bit older. But still, these guys aren't 30-year-olds. So moral of the story for me is, Terry, it's just about giving these guys a chance and being patient. We're too impatient now as fans. And I know this has been going on for a long time, but this is the actual time where Manchester United looked in the mirror and said, hey, we need to actually get this right. Because we've had David Moyes, who doesn't understand how to win because he came from Everton, we have Louis van Hall, whose tactics and style of play was boring. We had Jose Mourinho, who's a drama queen himself. So now we have a guy that actually cares. Give him a chance. Terry, your turn. All right, Forrest. Well, I'm not as passionate about Manchester United as you were in that little rant that you had, but I do have some opinions about it. Um, I think Manchester United, they need a real humbling experience. And the club that I would compare them to, which many United fans probably don't want to be compared to is Liverpool. Uh, before Liverpool got good and started winning Champions League and competing to win the league, they had the likes of Coutinho, Sterling, Luis Suarez, all World Cup players leave the club. And at the time, they were like a mid-table side. And, you know, they started rebuilding with young guys, going with the young dudes. They found a good manager in Jurgen Klopp, found good quality signings. Roberto Firmino, uh, many people didn't know who that was when they signed him, but Klopp got him, turned him into something good. Salah, a Premier League reject at the time, came into the squad, and now we see what he's turned into. And I think Manchester United needs something like that. I think the likes of Pogba and, as you said, Fred, just players, well, Pogba's world-class, but does not want to be there. A guy that probably needs to leave or sell. So just sticking with the young dudes. I mean, Rashford, although he's... In a bit of a goal drought right now. Just stick with them. And the defense, young, as you said, Wambasaka coming back and all that. So just having faith in the young boys, I think, would really help their chances. And as you said, uh, going with Ole Gunnar, 
Gunnar Skullshar. Sorry about that. You still pronounce that? Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's it's a hard name to say. I will say that. Um, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I think Ole is a guy who, yeah, he can motivate a squad. I don't think tactically he's sound enough to take Manchester United into their future. Maybe Allegri could come in and help. Got pushed out at Juventus. Not trying to manage this year, but maybe next year. So you never know. Maybe y'all have a lot of issues, and we'll see if y'all can um, rebound. But now let's go to a different topic. Let's talk about the Champions League force. Who do you think? Who do you think might win? Who do you? Uh, who's a favorite for Champions League? Terry, my final. And this is a toss up between these two teams, but I think that Juve and Bayern have a really strong teams. Just looking at them on paper, really great. Uh, done well in their group so far. Bayern, of course, shellacked Tottenham. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always good when Spurs lose to something exactly. like that. Um, and, and when it's in Europe, it makes it, it's funny too. But to get off that topic, Juve Bayern final. I think it's a toss up between them. I'm at a point where uh, I'm fed up with how the Champions League is on Bleacher Report and TNT because when it was on Fox, we could all watch the games and it was exactly, great. Exactly. And now we can't watch them. And now, and also being college thinks because uh, we have class at, in the middle of the afternoon, in the middle of the day when these things come on. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I like my grades and I don't want to sacrifice them to watch a bit of soccer as kind of stupid as that might sound to some people watching, listening to this, thinking he doesn't want to watch soccer. But <laughs> the thing is, is that I would, I would have a better idea of this Champions League, uh, this Champions League competition, if I could watch it and yeah. full, full times. But I'll get off that and before I get mad at Bleacher Report and Manchester United in the same podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as far as the group stage go, I think City will win their group with some comfort. They're in Group C. Atletico Juve in Group D is a game I'm looking forward to. They already played one game. But the second game, I think Atletico Madrid, I've always just liked them as a club. They seem like a really a really great club. And Juve, I want to see some Ronaldo goals. I want to see some Diabal goals. I want to see some crazy, crazy stuff. Juve has a strong team. They have for a long time. I want to see just absolute stunners because that's what I'm in the mood for. I've gotten not a lot of joy out of football in the last couple Months, weeks, whatever. Uh, you know, teams aren't doing too well, and I just want to see. I just want something to lift me up. Spurs, as I mentioned, even though they lost to Bayern, this is a six-game group stage for each team, so they could still go through. And Real Madrid as well. Spurs and Real Madrid sit at the the bottom of their groups, so I think that there's room for improvement there, of course. And they they could probably go through. The most interesting group, though, Terry, is Group H with Ajax, Chelsea, Valencia, and Lille. Lille, of course, is where Tim Weah plays. He's the U.S. national team guy and Ajax young town as always Valencia is a team that comes out of Spain that does decently well and can surprise some people at times and Chelsea our boy Christian Plissick is there and I think that they'll probably get out of the group with Ajax but tough games on hand for them with Valencia and Lille so interesting matches of football I think are left to be played in group H what do you think Terry well first let me just throw in uh Bayern Munich did beat Tottenham Hotspur seven to two. Yeah, just want to just want to throw that in there for all the Spurs fans out there because you know I'm not a big fan of theirs. But speaking about that game, I very much rate Bayern Munich this year. I think 
they're one of the bigger clubs that normally disappoints in Champions League due to the success in Champions League of Real Madrid and Liverpool and all that over the past few seasons. But they really have a strong squad going on. Lewandowski leads the uh, leads the country. I mean, continent in goals. My bad. With what eleven goals, I believe. And Serge uh, Serge Gnabry absolutely destroyed Tottenham. He looks great right now, and the squad. From top to from goalkeeper to striker looks amazing. Great defense, strong midfield, and options up front. So they're a team that I would say to look out for in Champions League. And um, and you also mentioned Real Madrid being the bottom of the group. They have problems right now. Um, they're doing all right in La Liga, so I'm not really worried about that. But in terms of Champions League, they had a shock exit around the 16 Ajax last year. Nobody saw that coming. And so far in Champions League, they haven't right this right. Got the uh, ship. Oh, I'm sorry. Getting this wrong. Got the ship straight. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Maybe Hazard needs to get right. Benzema's all right, even though uh, the fans aren't really fans of him. But you never know. We'll see. Let's see if uh, Zinedine Zidane can get that going. Um, and now, speaking about our boy Pulisic, he had a game uh, last night with uh, the United States national team. Got subbed off early. Looked a little mad. Boris, what's going on with our guy? Terry, I saw that he had some flu-like symptoms. That's why he was subbed off. He was mad, and I think it's good that he's mad. Of course, when you're a player that is a fixture in the team, you're supposed to be really pissed when you get subbed off. That's kind of how players should be in general. But uh, you can tell he wanted to help the team. That's good. U.S. national team as a whole uh, won against Cuba. But the defeat to Canada last night, from everything I've read, is that they just look flat, and they couldn't get it together. So it's just one of those times for the U.S. where there are things they need to sort out. We mentioned beforehand, we started taping, that we just think these old players need to leave. Uh, exactly. <laughs> put, it, put it pretty blunt, but I just don't have time for Tim Ream to be in the team anymore. Michael Bradley was okay for the first bit, but I don't really know how much he has to contribute. And the same thing with Manchester United, Terry. Just overhaul young guys – Stick with it, and I know you can. I know you have to have old guys in the team, but right now, for the U.S., the older guys just don't seem to be making a difference. There's not Canada should you should win. The U.S. should be cleaning up in Concacaf. Mm-hmm. I remember when Gordon Clinton was a coach. We're all talking about okay, let's let's take on these these world powers. Let's try to play them and win. Well, hold on a minute. Like we're still having trouble in Concacaf. So why, if we're still having trouble in Concacaf? Do you think that we can do this and do that? We have players overseas playing in Europe. That's obvious. And they're helping um, themselves out and us out. But national teams will over an animal because you don't see the guys for a lot of the year. And when you get together, it's a short stint where you have a couple games in a row. In the summers, it's different. Mm-hmm. But I think that this, the summer will be a key part of the national team. Christian Plissick is had a lot of early hype, which is fine because he's a great player. But – do you think that he's ready to be a captain, Terry? Do you think he's ready to carry on this role with the national team that's of a heightened sense? Um, Yes, I do believe so because from what I've seen from Christian Pulisic in terms of international soccer and uh, club soccer, I'll go as far to say that he's just a better international player than a club player, which is rare. And I think it's a mentality thing with him. I think with the United States, he's definitely our best player right now, and he plays like it. And you can see mentally that gets to him. But however, for club, I don't know what is it. Maybe he needs a leadership position or what, but he just does not look like the same person. 
And we said this before uh, we got on air. I think Christian Pulisic is one of those players that's in between positions. I'm not sure if he's a winger. I'm not sure if he can play as a number 10 because I remember back when he was with Dortmund, I saw him mostly as a number 10. He did all right, but he got benched for Goetz, uh, Sancho, and Royce. Royce and uh, Sancho are wing players and can beat those guys out. So I don't know what he's doing on the training ground. And may- maybe he doesn't know what his position is, and that's the problem. Maybe he's trying to do too much of one thing, not enough or another not enough of another and Frank Lampard uh, the head coach of Chelsea probably is seeing that and is going with his young guys at Chelsea so uh what are your thoughts about Pulisic and Chelsea and did he make the right choice going to Chelsea I think he made the right choice going to Chelsea it's something where he wanted a new challenge and that's perfectly fine the player knows himself as best as uh, we do and so would I think that if he stayed at Dortmund for a while longer it would have uh, been all right yeah sure but I think in, when you look at it from his point of view, he wasn't starting there, and he probably wanted a new, new, new home. He has three starts so far this season in the um, for Chelsea: two assists and two sub appearances. And he has to compete with Callum Hudson-Odoi, Willian, Mason Mount, and Pedro, who are all uh, well. Willian and Pedro older than him, better than him. I believe Pedro is injured right now, but nonetheless, Mason Mount and Hudson-Odoi are more familiar to Frank Lampard than. Pulisic is because sorry signed Pulisic and uh, Lampard didn't. And actually, to go back on that statement real quick, managers don't really sign players as much as the club um, executives do. Mm-hmm. But it's a different manager, so there's no entitlement for them to be played under the new manager, in my point of view. So he has to compete with these guys. The new club, it's a new country. It's a growing experience for him. He went through a lot uh, adjusting to German culture when he first moved there as a, as a teenage boy. So I'm sure he can overcome this. I'm sure he can do well. ESPN FC was saying, in particular, Craig Berlin, Shaka Hislop, that this signing has been a, you know, been a bust. He should move on. I think that's stupid. You have to give some kids some time, especially when they're kids, and any new signing time. This is no reaction from people in the U.S. that are saying that if uh, he was English, or no reaction from people in general saying that if he was English, he'd be getting more playing time. That has nothing to do with it. And going out on loan, I don't really think that's the best thing for him right now, Terry. I think he should stay where he is. He wants to be at Chelsea for a long time. Then he should stay there. Chelsea loans out their players very uh, regularly. However, I don't think that a loan would be a bad thing for him in a little while. But it's important that he does not become player that Chelsea just loans out regularly um, in consecutive seasons. I think a lot of people in the U.S. are very concerned that he will become a bust in the Premier League because he just came there too early. He wasn't ready. Is this the best we've seen of him? Give the guy some time. This climate to grow up in is really difficult for him. But I'm optimistic we'll see him play more for Chelsea and all that. And it's just it's just something for a Christian where it's going to take time. It's probably best that he stays in training, Terry, because he might not know what his position is, like you said. So all in all, I think for Christian, it's just a waiting game. And if he keeps working hard, it's a real test of who he is if he can work hard and roll up the sleeves and just do well. And then, yeah, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get playing time this year in some uh, competitions that are not the Premier League. So I think we'll see some of him, but it'll take time. Let's, let's be optimistic. I, I think people should criticize Christian Pulisic, and here's why. I think just to test his mental strength, because I'll, I'll use a Robert Frost quote right here. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood. 
Christian Pulisic has two roads. One, if he handles all the criticism well, he'll succeed, definitely. Or if he doesn't, then I'll admit, he'll just be a bust. But I'll just say this. I I really hope for the best for this dude because he really does have all of our country's hopes in him. He is our best player by far, I would say. So hopefully, I hope that he gets it right. So uh, let's get to the international break. Everyone loves an international break. We're being sarcastic. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the Euros a little bit. Not much happened, but we'll get to the main topics. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored his 700th goal of all time. How do you think about that? You think he's the best player in the world? Best player ever for us? Yeah, you're getting down a slippery slope here <laughs> with, with this. <laughs> best player in the world. Uh, I will say for the record, we'll talk about this later, but I think Ronaldo and Messi are different players. Uh, Ronaldo is just a better winner in my opinion. And 700 all-time, that's crazy. Uh, just That's absolutely nuts. This guy, we've seen his evolution and how he scores goals. He's a great player to watch for the young kids, for the old kids alike. So we hope that Ronaldo keeps banging the goals. Like I said, hope he gets some for Juve this year and we can see him in the Champions League final because I want to be right and I want to see him score goals. Terry, uh, we have six teams already qualified for Euro 2020, which will be played across the continent of Europe in the finals this summer. Belgium, Italy, Poland, Russia, Spain, and Ukraine. Spain, Ukraine kind of rhyme there. That's just funny. Uh, these teams don't really surprise me. Russia really did not impress at the World Cup. But nonetheless, I'm, uh, I'm sure that they will crash out of Euro 2020 with uh, elegant fashion. Mm-hmm. Ukraine is a team that's been good for a while. So I expect to see good things from them. Zinchenko from Manchester City plays for the national team of Ukraine. So... Interesting to see how they do. Uh, Spain, we're seeing Spain become a team that we used to really covet, Terry, but I don't really know if we think of them as that anymore. And honestly, I'm also very intrigued to see Moise Keane play for Italy. Hopefully he makes the team for the Euros. And also Belgium, a team that always has a lot of talent, but they don't really, uh, there's sometimes where Belgium uh, is underwhelming for me as far as their success in tournaments. But the big topic coming out of this, Terry, was England-Bulgaria. And how much you tell us a little more about that just some simple facts that we can go off of for this last segment of the podcast. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I'll just go down the scenes. Basically, Tyrone Mings, uh, an English player, was subbed on. And after being subbed on, he received racist chants from the Bulgari fans. He alerted the referee. The referee alerted the coach. And then the camera panned over to the fans. And fans were putting up Nazi signs. And you can see them making sounds and gestures towards the players and really just sickening scenes and just just tainting the game and let me just say those guys that are in the stands they're not soccer fans they were just there just to cause trouble and UEFA has to do something about this like I'm 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 really tired of seeing all this like the likes of Lukaku and all that have been racially abused and it it's disgusting it's tainting our beautiful game the beautiful game that we love Love to come on here and talk about it's, it's awful. And UEFA has not done enough. And they're not going to do anything from what I've seen. In the past, UEFA is about making money. And that's what they're going to do. And I, I challenge them to come out and do something about these just awful things. It's terrible. So, Forrest, do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to make on this terrible subject? You're all right, Terry, with what you're saying. I can't put it in any better words than you. England has suffered from abuse before. Uh, Montenegro, that game away as well, was a problem for them as far as abuse to their players. And we see that 
they've traveled to Eastern Europe now twice and suffered racial abuse. It's just something that this team is keep having to endure. Their players are good for standing up for things. FIFA or uh, UEFA did um, do well in a sense of having their three-step procedure happen where they hold the game twice before uh, the question of abandoning, abandoning, uh, abandoning the match would come about. So they followed procedure, but I think procedure can only go so far in the game. They need to hand down some fines and expulsions from this, and, and not just fines that are going to be slaps on the wrist. They have to be crippling. You have to have something that's going to really, really cripple this uh, FA for things. There's a lot of, uh, lot of storylines surrounding this game coming out of it for a lot of different reasons. We won't get into all of them, but I encourage everyone to read up on it because this interesting situation nonetheless. But the bottom line is, Terry, I've tried to write about this stuff before. I've tried to write articles about how to stop racist abuse, and every case is different, and that's why it's difficult to find a solution that's going to solve it. You, all, you actually have to have you actually have to have like a case by case basis for how this stuff is solved. Yeah. And with big, huge bodies like UEFA and even the Premier League, you know, English FA, it's going to take a long time. And I think that what has to be done every time, every time something like this happens, it's just educating society better and making sure that security is better at these events. You get the fans that are being racist. Uh, out of the stadium as quick as you can. You need to have stewards respond fast. It's, it's a thing that requires a lot of coordination. And simply, it's not going to be solved overnight. We can't be impatient with it, but we have to always be pushing for more to be done about it. I think that's where we'll leave it here today, Terry. It's an unfortunate topic to end on. We have to talk about it. Uh, unfortunate that it's the biggest topic coming out of the international break from the Euro side of things. Well, Terry, we've had a good conversation today. Episode has run a little long, but that's what we're here for. We're here to talk, and sometimes talking about the beautiful game is going to take us to places we might not think about. So really, I'm happy we had this conversation today, Terry. It's been a good one, in my opinion. Agreed, agreed. I hope you all have listened up to this point. If you have, it, great. Thank you so much. Upward of 20 minutes is a bit difficult for some of y'all just because you have time constraints, but we thank you for your support. Episode one's response was really great. We enjoyed all the support from that, as well as the support from social media on our page. So please follow us at COTL Podcast on Instagram and the updated link for where you can catch the podcast on a number of services, including Spotify and Overcast, as well as Anchor, is in the bio of that Instagram page. So please show some love. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks with another episode. But until then, I'm Forrest Tucker. And I am Terry Craig. We will catch y'all later. And as always, Jogo Bonito.